Okay. We're rolling. All right. Anyway, uh, just real briefly here. This is, you know, just looking at your timeline, uh, Genesis to Revelation. And it's interesting. In Genesis chapter 1, it, the evening and morning, first day. That's how you identify it. Okay. And then the, the, the second day is uh, separate the waters above from the waters below. You know, this was not out there. No, it, no this was just the world. It's created from the earth outward, you know. It's amazing. So your perspective, you get it back to maybe Jesus does love me, this I know. Yes, it wasn't way out as they teach. Big bang, way out there and whatever. And then somehow we spun off in all these organisms. No, it was right here. And the dates, uh, the, the day four was when the sun and the moon were created. And it was so to be for times and seasons and dates and whatever. So it, it's like, wow. Okay. And the, the cool thing about it is inside Genesis also, I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Oh, when Joseph took his dad, which was, his dad was Jacob, to Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, how old are you? And he said, I'm 140-something years old, 143. He said, but I'm not near as old as some of my ancestors. Well, now that right there, that just grounded all those 900 years and all the other things, okay? Otherwise, you're like, well, this is, uh, it's just, ah. Uh. No, it was real. Okay, but anyway. And the dates are there for a reason, <clears throat> because we're we're uh, we're tracking uh, we're tracking uh, history here, and this is what's so neat about it. And and so when you read Genesis, oh, when you read Genesis, Genesis means beginning. And they were saying, well, it's what we want to call it. It it's tracking. You know, fossils are created by pressure. This whole planet is is. I looked at this again last night, but and was listening to it. And uh, geologists, there's about a mile and a half deep of sedimentary rock. Okay, and they call it the the uh, Malachite Man. It's in Dinosaur National Park in Montana, and they're esca- excavating. They had a copper mine or whatever, and so 50 feet down, the same area where dinosaurs are covered. There, you can look at it for yourself. It's called the Malachite Man. His, his bones have been replaced. It's a, it's, there's several bones. I mean, there's several. It's, I think it's, it's two adults and oh, a baby and stuff. And they say, well, they went down a mine. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, uh-uh. No, those bones were found in the same place that dinosaurs were found at. Anyway, like I say, this, it, once you start clicking and start going, wait a minute. They were called dragons and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, Let's get back to this. But anyway, so, so just do your own little search. Do your own little research. Don't just believe somebody who's going to bark and say, well, ha, ha, laughter's not proof. Proof is what you go out and go look for. And the Bible tells us that the heavens itself declare the glory of God. It's not a strain. You don't have to go, I'm making myself believe this. <laughs> we never turn from apes to man. There's no evidence of that. Look in a mirror and you'll see what God looks like because we're created in his image. But anyway, so here's the timeline. Now, we're going to go today and we're going to go from Genesis. Exodus is, of course, they were in Egypt and they got out. And that is a historical fact that God wants us to remember because it's so important. That's the reason we have Passover, you know. And, and Jesus was resurrected uh, during that. Well, he was put on the cross during that week. So it's like, well, it never really happened. Well, <laughs> uh, it sure did. We're going to speed even further this morning. Right here, they get into the promised land. Oh, the book of Judges, they're in the promised land, but it went to, it just basically broke all up because they started worshiping idols. They just said, we don't have time for God anymore. And <clears throat> they lost it all. It's, it's such an easy read. Okay, but anyway, uh, right after Ruth, and Ruth is actually David, King David's grandmother, okay? That's the story of, of the book of Ruth. Goes by in about... Ten minutes, you can read it real, real quick. Wonderful story. Wonderful story of blessing. 
We're going to go to 1 Samuel, actually 2 Samuel, and 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, and that's we're talking about David. Okay, now, uh, I'm going to get to immediately where an incident happened with David in which sometimes it messes up Christians because they go, well, yeah, well, David, you know, he and Bathsheba. We're going to look at that story. You'll never look at it the same after what you see here in just a few moments. And uh, so let's get right into it. So this is going to be, uh, these are my dates, but they're pretty close. Okay. This is about, uh, the flood was 1,400 years after creation. Moses was about another 1,000. So it would be 2,400 years uh, from creation. And then from the time of Moses, we'll just say when Moses and they got out of Egypt, during that time frame, we're going to the promised land. You know, that time. Okay. It's about 300, 400, nearly 500 years. All of a sudden, King David. Okay. Now, remember, it was King Saul first, and it was King David. And boy, I tell you what, David, a lot of things we know, heart player, worship leader. Well, we're going to see about that. A lot of people think David's just up there all the time. Just come, he's a home. David was just like you and I, totally like you and I. No, he got up early, I heard. He read his Bible, and he, and he prayed four hours a day. You don't even have that in the life of Jesus. All you have in the life of Jesus is that one time he got up and was gone and prayed. But you don't see that day after day after day. Quit looking for trends and things like that. Look for reality, okay? And watch what you, and do what you see in the scriptures. So here's what happened. Okay, so here we go. So we get on down here into the life of David in 2 Samuel. And he was running for his life because his old boss, Saul, when he killed Goliath, remember that? They, the, pe- town, the people in the town started singing, uh, Saul has killed his ta- thousands. And David has killed his ten thousands. Well, man, Saul was furious. Remember, he threw his javelin at him, tried to kill him. Now, David was playing his harp then, but it was, uh, he was called to do that. Trying to calm down his boss. But anyway, so David's fleeing for his life. Right now, he's already, uh, oh, Saul, well, let me just pick this up. So anyway, Saul was dead. This is a spiritual book. This is spiritual meaning. This is history. Don't look for a moral in this story. This, the Bible is a history book. You'll get moral things out of it, but it's a history. Saul was dead. David returned to Ziglag after slaughtering the Malachites. Three days later, see how the history is? A man arrived from the Israeli army with his clothes torn and dirt on his head, a sign of mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where'd you come from, David said, from the Israeli army. Now what he's going to do, he's going to tell them that Saul and his sons, Jonathan, and see, David and Jonathan were tight. And they had made an agreement that, look, I know you're going to be king, but don't kill me when you become... David, I don't kill you. Well, don't kill my dad's kids either, because that's sort of what you did. You know, when the new king came on the block, well, we kill all the old king's kids. You know. And David said, swear you won't do that. And David had swore, no way. I'm, I'm loyal to your dad, and I'm loyal to your family. I would never do that. Okay. Remember David crept in there and when Saul was taking a poop in the king in the cave, you know, and he snipped part of his clothes off and he said, Look, if I wanted to kill you, I'd have killed you. Here's your clothes, king, you know. Remember that? That just happened. Watch this. Now I want to say part of this before we get into this. What happened, David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, Our entire army fled. Thousands of men are dead and wounded on the field. Saul, his son Jonathan, have been killed. Now, what have we learned from Moses? That's not supposed to be happening. We are supposed to be kicking tail. We're supposed to be winning all the time. Matter of fact, remember the generals came back to Moses and said, we didn't lose a man. We didn't lose a soldier. Saul just went to a witch doctor that night. The night before he got killed, in the, in the, you know what I'm saying, the soothsayer. And she said, you're going to die in the morning, you know. <sighs> wow. <clears throat> Whatever. But anyway, so you can see what Saul was doing. He wasn't worshiping the Lord. He, didn't, he wasn't seeking the Lord. 
Uh, how do you know they're dead? Because I was on Mount Bil- Gilboa and saw Saul leaning against his spear with the enemy chariots closing it. When he saw me, he cried out to me, Who are you? I'm an Amalekite. Come here and put me out of my misery, he, he begged, for I'm in terrible pain, but my life lingers on. See, Saul was worried these guys are going to torture him and whatever. Just kill me. Now watch what happens here. So I killed him, for I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and one of his bracelets. Now bring them to you, my Lord. David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow and when they heard the news. And immediately they had a spiritual moment. No, it's history. Cut that out. This is history. They mourned and wept and fasted for Saul all day and his son Jonathan for the Lord's people and the men of Israel who had died that day. Then David said to the young man who brought the news, where are you from? This ain't going to go too good for this guy. Because <clears throat> remember, David had made a promise. I'm an Amalekite. Why did you kill? Look at that. Why did you kill God's chosen king? David demanded. Then he said to one of his young men, kill him. Wow, wow. So he ran him through with his sword. You died self-condemned, David said, for you yourself uh, confess that you killed God's anointed king. Okay, boom, next chapter. Then David said, should I move back? Okay, so here's, now he's fixing to be king now. He did. He became king and he wound up going all the way to, uh, they, he set up camp. He was at Hebron and then he finally moved to Jerusalem, okay? Now remember the story too? The ark was at someplace else. The ark, what's the ark? <laughs> you remember. Moses was told to build the ark. Remember that? It had manna in there, and you don't go in there, and you've got to be the high priest. All that stuff was still in effect. And remember when they were hauling it, and they are trying to get it there, David was happy about it, and one of David's men, because the ark was about to stumble, he stuck his hand up there, and oh my gosh, it killed that guy. You know, it was Uzziah. Uzziah got killed. Okay. And David was mad at the Lord. And you can get mad at the Lord. What happened? You've got to remember, that stuff in the Old Testament is real. God was doing his best to try to be down here with his people. And he gave these guidelines to do that, not just like, well, this will be cool because we want to be like Buddha. No, this was the reality of God being present with his people. And you had to have the entire group of Levites and only partial group of the Levites had to be descendants of Aaron could be the high priest. Remember the, the, uh, the, whatever the, the, um, uh, well, anyway, every, every day there was a, a sacrifice in the morning and the evening. And then you had the, oh, the heifer, the, the, the heifer outside the camp, you know, to wash your clothes in, all this kind of stuff. Okay, I'm saying that because here's what we're going to get to. So David, 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 he's wiping out all the Israel, I mean, excuse me, all the bad guys around the nation right there. He's really taking back over the promised land, doing a great job. Now, here we go. In the spring, chapter 11, 2 Samuel chapter 11, 1. In the spring of the following year, at the time when wars began, David sent Joab and the Israeli army to destroy the Ammonites. Interesting. Remember Ammon? They were descendants of Lot. God was protecting them at one time, but not anymore because they're throwing their kids to the fire. They're doing all kind of terrible things. They began to lay siege of the city of Rabbi, but David stayed in Jerusalem. One night, he couldn't get to sleep. Yeah, here we go. I read these two verses and I heard the preacher preach about this for about two hours. And then I made up my little stories about it for the next 20 years of my life. Let's read the story. David couldn't sleep. He went for a stroll on the roof of his palace. He looked out over the city and noticed a woman. Oh, yeah, that old harlot woman. Look, everybody did this. Quit blaming Bathsheba, okay? And quit blaming David either. Let's read the story. Don't jump ahead. One night he couldn't get to sleep, and he went for a stroll on the roof of the palace, and he looked over the city and noticed a woman of unusual beauty. Well, we're not supposed to talk about beauty. Listen, women are pretty. It's just a fact, okay? Men are handsome, okay? That's the way it goes, okay? God made them that way. And if you don't remember, Genesis chapter 3, he made them stark naked, Woohoo! Great! God! We, we, we just forget the Bible sometimes. We just forget. We just forget. Anyway, one night he couldn't get to sleep, went for a stroll on the roof of his palace. He looked out over the city. This is Jerusalem. 
he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking her evening bath. Now, you watch where he gets in trouble, okay? You watch what really took place. Oh, you're not going to believe how far David got into this thing. No wonder. And the reason I prefaced it with when his man touched the ark and he got killed and other places in the scripture. Remember when Moses was bringing the people out to Jerusalem? Remember, don't you remember all the people in Israel died? They couldn't go in the promised land. Only those 20 years and younger. The New Testament tells us because of their unbelief. I mean, God, they, they got wiped out. Here we go. So anyway, <clears throat> she was taking her evening bath. He sent to find out who she was and told she was Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah. Okay. Then David sent for her and she came, and when she came, he slept with her. We can figure out that. Okay, we know what that is. Now look at this. She had just completed the purification rites after menstruation. Remember I told you? This was, oh, in the book of Leviticus. Once a month, a woman had to go to the temple and bring some doves or whatever just because she was bleeding during the month, you know. Why the heck is that? Remember, God's holy. Yeah, but God made us. No, hold on a minute. Adam sinned. It kicked us out of the garden. We had no approach to God. Jesus brought us all back. See, we're so used to being in the Bible, but we already know God loves me. Yeah, he does love you. And you can, you've got access. But boy, back then, nobody had access. That's the reason that angel shouted on that hill when Jesus was born. You know, and the shepherds heard it. You know, good news to all men. What good news? The same old... No, it wasn't. The Savior was born, praise the Lord. And Jesus kicked everybody's tail. The bad news, the sickness and everything. He just wiped it all out for three and a half years. Anybody that came to Jesus was healed. Different story back here in these days here. You know. So anyway, back to this. She just completed the purification rites. Okay. Then she returned home. When she found out she had gotten, that he had gotten her pregnant... She sent a message to him to inform him. Oh, my gosh. David dispatched a memo to Joab. Now, who's Joab? That's his brother's son, whatever. He's a cousin. He's a general. And he says, send me Uriah the Hittite. Well, see, that's her husband. When he arrived, David asked him how Joab and the... Oh, by the way, David had been reading his Bible. He'd been playing his harp because he writes songs. You know, like today, oh, holy, holy. He ain't writing no songs. He's not playing his harp, and he's not taking a time out. This is part of his normal routine life, except for he's digging a hole here. Okay, When he arrived, David asked Joab how the army was getting along, how the war was prospering. He told him to go home and relax. He asked, he asked Uriah that. He said, hey, go home. Be with your wife. Well, we know what's going on. Go be with your wife so it looked like you did it. <laughs> but Uriah didn't go there. Now watch this. Here's some more interesting facts about why these books are all related. Okay, That's the reason a drunk guy didn't write this. He stayed that night at the gateway of the palace with the other servants. Now, why did he do that? Think about what we already know. What you've read when the temple, when, excuse me, when the tabernacle was built. When David heard what Uriah had done, he summoned him and asked him, What's the matter with you? Why didn't you go home to your wife last night after being away so long? Look what Uriah said. The ark and the armies of God and the general and the officers are camping out in open fields. Should I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? Now wait, forget the story just a moment. The ark and the armies, that's what God said to do. said, blow those trumpets, take that ark out there, and you will knock out your enemy. And they were doing it too. But David's at home digging a hole. Uh-oh. I swear I'll never be guilty of acting like that. Well, David's going to try. So David tries to get him drunk. <laughs> Ain't supposed to be no liquor, ho. Oh. You think... That's the reason 
This is what's so beautiful about the Bible. David's just like you and I are. So David runs down to the ABC store. Okay. Well, stay here tonight, David told him, and tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed around the palace. David invited him to dinner, got him drunk. Where were the Baptists at that table? They were probably there. Okay. But he didn't go home that night. But, but again, he slept at the entrance of the palace. So you can see what David's up to. David's trying to get him, look, go on, be with your wife. So he's, that's what he's doing. It's going to get worse. Now, you already may know part of it, but it's going to get worse than what you think's worse. Let's just read the story. Do you know other people died? Not just Uriah. Other people died. Anyway, finally the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab. That's the general. Gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab to put Uriah in the front of the hottest part of the battle and then pull back and leave him there to die. Oh, David. Oh, you and me. <laughs> we made mistakes too, hadn't we? <clears throat> you know, David wrote the 23rd Psalm. David wrote probably a third of all the Psalms. David lived to be an old man, you know. Let's just read the story here. Okay. Anyway... So Joab, he's just following orders. He assigned Uriah to, the, to a spot that besieged the city where the, he knew the enemy's best men were fighting. Oh, God. Okay. And Uriah was killed along with several other Israeli soldiers. Wow. Man, David. Yeah. Wow. Let's just keep reading. This is, this is just history. When Joab sent a report to David of how the battle was going, he told his messenger... Hey, look, if the king's angry, in other words, if David gets angry, just say uh, and ask, hey, why didn't the, why'd the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? Now, whoa, look at this. Wasn't Abimelech killed? Now, who's Abimelech? That just justified the book of Judges. Right after, let's say, Samson. Right after Samson. When Samson died, another guy comes to the war. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was Gideon. Okay, Gideon. Gideon had some sons, and one of his sons was a son of somebody who's from strange nation or whatever, and he had all of Gideon's other sons killed. And he took the reins, and he thought he was such a hot shot. He got too close to a wall, and a woman up there dropped a rock on his head. And he screamed out to somebody next to him like Saul did, Hey, kill me quick. I don't want anybody saying some woman kill me. <laughs> you don't tell fairy tales and stick them in stories. That actually happened. He said, wasn't Abimelech killed by Thebes by, oh, at Thebes by a woman who threw down a millstone? Tell him Uriah was killed too. So the messenger arrived at Jerusalem and gave the report to David. Now look what David says. You can see David has, David has tripped here. The enemy came out against us, he said, and we chased them back to the city. The men on the wall attacked us and some of our men died. Of course, that's what David wanted. He wanted Uriah. Some of our men were killed and Uriah the Hittite was dead too. Now look what David did. This is not the normal David we listen to, but it was what he was doing at the time. Well, tell Joab not to be discouraged, David said. The sword kills one that kills another. I mean, sometimes yes, yeah, sometimes no. Fight harder next time. That's right. Conquer the city. Tell him he's doing well. When Bathsheba heard her husband was dead, she mourned for him. Then uh, when the period of mourning was over, David sent for her, and boy, he married her. Okay, that's what he said. Let's keep reading. He brought her to the palace. She became one of his wives. Notice this, end of the chapter. And she gave birth to his son. But look at this. The Lord was displeased with what David had done. Well, I'd say so. Now, do you stop there and read this next year? No, you keep reading. Boom. 
So the Lord sent the prophet Nathan. Oh, yeah, Nathan's gone. Let me tell you something. Nathan and David are good friends. And they were good friends. We have his mental pictures that, see there, he just hated that David. Do you know, we already know this. David didn't lose his throne. No. Watch this. Sent Nathan to tell David this story. <laughs> okay. There were two men in a certain city, one real rich. One had many flocks of sheep and, and herds of goats. The other very poor, owning nothing but a little lamb he had managed to buy. It was his children's pet. He fed it from his own plate, let it drink from his own cup. Okay, remember that? You know, oh, feeling sorry for it. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. Wow. Recently, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. Now remember, the Lord sent Nathan. Nathan didn't know this. Well, you got to throw out. We, we, in this world, we think there's no... Uh, you have to explain everything like Hollywood. Like the last minute, the guy's leg will be all right. If they wrote a... It wouldn't be miraculous about Dustin. It'd be something that new technology has come in. And, and they blame that for the healing of Dustin's leg. That, that baloney. It's Jesus. Jesus has got you out of trouble everywhere in your life. It's real. It's not a, a coincidence, we could say. So we could be nice with the rest of the people in the world who believe in other gods. No, we blame Jesus for our healing. We blame Jesus for our financial prosperity. We blame Jesus for every good thing ever happened in our life. It's the Lord. He's real. And so Nathan knew this on his own from the Lord. All right, here he goes on to his story. Recently, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing a lamb from his own flock for food, he's uh, for... Uh, for the traveler, he took the poor man's lamb and roasted it and served it. Boy, David was furious. I swear by the living God, David said. Any man who'd do such a thing like that should be put to death. He'll repay fourfold, four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole for having no pity. Nathan said, <laughs> King James says, thou art the man. <laughs> Let's get it right. Nathan says, well, sorry, boss, but you the man. <laughs> oh, no. Well, look what David did. Uh, notice it says, you're the rich man. The Lord, is, uh, the Lord God of Israel says, I made you king of Israel. I saved you from the power of Saul. Look at that. That's true. I mean, Saul was going to nail him. Saved him. Made you king of Israel. Okay, I gave you his palace, his wives. Well, he lost it right there. We ought to quit it with this women stuff. Just quit it. Your relationship with Jesus is independent of women and husbands and whatever. It's you and Jesus, okay? We write people off. Oh, my God. He's, he had... I'll tell you, we were right off Abraham too, because after Sarah died, well, actually, when he had Sarah, he had Hagar, okay? And then after that, he married, what, I forgot what her name was. Then he had several other concubines. Oh, God, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with Abraham anymore. You're going to lose out because Abraham's blessings are yours. Not you want to run out and go have a bunch of husbands, a bunch of wives, but I'm just saying the blessings of the Lord are independent of that. You're thinking of that, you know. It's like slaves. We keep reading here, when David conquered a city, he kept all of the people as slaves. Oh, can't have no slaves. Mm -mm. Thomas Jefferson, take down his statue. David's statue, take it down. <laughs> We're all servants of the Lord. Yeah. Anyway, back to this. You're the rich man, the Lord of uh, God of Israel says. I made you king of Israel, saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you his palace, his wives, his kingdom of Israel and Judah. If that had not been enough, look at this. I would have given you much more. Praise the Lord. Now, remember the problem here was David didn't want to acknowledge this. He's just going, to oh, just let it ride. Man, when you blow it, you need to admit it. Don't have to have the Lord send somebody to tell you, you know, look. When you blow it, tell the Lord you blew it. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. 
You know, David didn't say, yeah, I went to the temple. No, David hadn't dealt with this. He just thought, I'm just going to let it go. And if you remember in your history, kings that were after David did the same thing. He had King Asa was a good king. And then he went bad. Then you had kings like Manasseh who were bad from the start. And at the end, they turned out good. You know, it's just, it's just what we do. Okay. So anyway, if that had not been enough, I'd have given you money. Why then did you despise the laws of God and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah and stolen his wife. Look, notice what he says. He says, murder will be a constant threat in your family from this time on because you've insulted me by taking Uriah's wife. Now, if you read from here forward, that looks like what's going to happen, but it doesn't happen. God keeps him safe. Okay, but anyway, let's keep reading. I vow because of what you've done, I'll cause your own household to rebel against you. <laughs> anyway, I'll give your wives to another man. He'll go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I'll do this in the open in the sight of all Israel. Now, here's the big key right here. This is what makes David... Just like you and me, and he did the right thing. Look what he said. I blew it. I blew it. Okay? Now, he didn't go before the people and say, I swear I will never teach Sunday school again. I'll never be the king of Israel again. Come on. You can't pay for your sins. You could never pay for one piece of your sins. You can't do it. Then we could all just, when we die, we just go to heaven. No. You can't pay for it. It's going to take a lamb. It took Jesus. Let's keep reading. Watch this. Nathan said, yeah, but the Lord's forgiven you. You won't die for this sin. But you've given great opportunity for the enemies of the Lord to despise and blaspheme. And he says, so your child will die. Now, don't choke on this. Remember, Uriah, uh, Uriah touched that cart and it killed him. When Moses had people bringing him out, all of a sudden the plague would hit and Aaron had to do something quick before these people would die. God's holiness, is his presence is right there with that kid. It's not that way anymore. But it was back then. Okay, anyway, let's keep going. Nathan returned to his home and the Lord made Bathsheba's baby deathly sick. Just don't worry about that. Keep going. David begged him to spare the child and went before him without food and lay all night before the Lord on the bare earth. Now watch this. Wow. The leaders of the nation begged him to get up and eat, but he refused. On the seventh day, the baby died. Now remember, he's still laying, he still looks like... You know, he's mourning. He's dirt all over him. David knew how to do this. <sighs> he's grieving for this child. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah. David's age were afraid to tell him. He was so broken up about the baby being sick, they said, what will he do to himself when we tell him? <laughs> hey, boss, your baby's dead. But when David saw them whispering, he realized what happened. And he said, is the baby dead? He asked, let's see what happened. Yes, they replied, he is. David got off the ground, washed himself, brushed his hair, changed his clothes, went into the tabernacle, which was next door to it because he lived right next to it, and worshiped the Lord. And then he returned to the palace and ate. His aides were amazed. We don't understand you, boss. While the baby was living, you wept and refused to eat, but now the baby's dead. You've stopped your mourning and, and are eating again. Now here's where you get the information that when a young child dies... They're not gone. They're with the Lord. Watch this. David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he's dead? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Okay. But anyway, now watch this. Boy, David was just gone. from. No, he wasn't. He had the mercy of the Lord. He always had the mercy of the Lord. Now watch this. David comforted Bathsheba. Oh, please get rid of that woman. God. 
She's the one who created all this. It's always the women's fault. Now, well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Praise the Lord. David comforted Bathsheba. I mean, she lost her child. And when he slept with her, ah, can't he leave her alone? I mean, come on. No. She conceived, gave birth to another son, and named him. Oh, my gosh. I know this guy. Yes, you know this guy. Solomon. Look at the next phrase. And the Lord loved the baby. Now, how could he do that? Because, I mean, bah, bah, golly, he just... Uh, you got to remember holiness. I'm telling you, remember when God was on that mountain, he told Moses, says, tell the people, do not come close to this mountain. It'll kill them. And Moses said, they're not going to come. They're too afraid. <laughs> but if, if any man, child, woman, dog, cat, whatever got near that, got near that mountain, it, it got them. Okay, anyway. David comforted her. She's settler. Okay, all right, we got, look at this. And the Lord loved the baby. Sent congratulations. Wow, I never heard of that. I mean, boy, once you blow it with the Lord, you're on bad graces with him. He don't ever talk to you no more. No, that's not true. Sent congratulations and blessings through Nathan the prophet. David nicknamed the baby. I mean, boy, I'd be trying to get this out of sight, out of mind, because my life is over with, you know. I mean, just, I mean, uh. Bull, that's a bunch of baloney. Named the baby Jedediah, meaning <laughs> beloved of Jehovah. Golly. Because of the Lord's interest. Meanwhile, Joab and the Israeli armies were successfully ending the siege of Rabbah and the capital of Ammon. Joab sent messengers to David. Well, you know, it's downhill from here. It's not downhill. There's nothing in your life that's downhill. If you want to dig a hole like David just did, you know, and, and, and just ignore the Lord, whatever, you can dig your own hole. But David got out of it. Watch this. Joab, his cousin, the general, says... Rabbi and its beautiful harbor are ours. Kind of like Kwajalein in Hawaii or whatever. Okay. Now bring the rest of the army and finish the job so you will get the credit for the victory instead of me. And David did it. David got his men, the ones that were still in Jerusalem. He led his army to Rabbi and captured it. Tremendous amounts of loot were taken back to Jerusalem. Look at this. David took the kings of Rabbi's crown. It was 50,000. Well, this was back in 1973 was when this was written. So it's probably, uh, probably about uh, uh, three quarters of a million or something like that by now. Treasure made from solid gold set with gems and placed it on his own head. He made slaves of the people of the city and made them labor with saws, picks, axes, and the work brick. And they had to work in these brickyards. He treated all the cities of the Ammonites that way. And then David and the army returned to Jerusalem. Wow. Praise the Lord. You know, when David, you know, you don't want to get stumble, stumble over this stuff and think, you know, well, I just, you know, David, no, he's a lot like you and I are. A lot like you and I are. Now, I want to close here, but I want to, I want to go just a little bit further. Look at this. Uh, history. Prince Absalom. Well, that catch this next week. But anyway, David's son had a beautiful sister named Tamar. And Prince Ammon, Ammon her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Ammon was so tormented by his love for her that he became ill. Now, this is a spiritual story. It has a, <laughs> there's no spiritual story here. You're just going to learn some things from it. Okay, this is history. He had no way of talking to her, for the girls and the young men were kept strictly apart. Girls over here, guys over here. This is the palace. This is palace life. But Ammon had a very crafty friend, his son Jonadab, the son of David's brother. Remember David had like six, seven, no, he had like nine brothers. Okay. One day Jonadab said to Ammon, what's the trouble? Why should the son of a king look so haggardly morning after morning? Ammon told him, I'm in love with Tamar, my half-sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to bed and pretend you're sick. Hey, act like you're sick. Then tell your dad, that's David, to ask 
Tamar to come and prepare food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she feeds you. So Ammon did. And when the king came to see him, that's David, Ammon asked him for this favor. Hey, that sister Tamar, uh, uh, that sister Tamar to be permitted to come and cook a little bit. Oh, brother. Okay. Something to eat. David agreed and sent word to Tamar to go to Ammon's quarters and prepare food for him. So she did and went into his bedroom so that he could watch her make some dough. Yeah, he's watching, all right. Okay. <laughs> then, he bakes, then she bakes some special bread for him. But when she was serving the tray, he refused to eat. Wait a minute. Everyone get out of here, he told his servants. So they all left. And that's just him and her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Remember, this is a spiritual story. Confucius say, no, this is a history timeline. This is what convinces you that praise the Lord, that Bible true. Praise God. See, what's funny is uh, many stories later and other pieces in the New Testament, they refer to these stories. And Jesus will say, have you not read? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, what's happening here is David's household is, is Absalom is going to create an insurrection here in the next two chapters. We're not going to get there. That's when, Dave, when Absalom's going to get his hair hung in a tree, whatever, he's going to get killed. And David's just like anybody else. Joab did the job. He was sitting there dangling. Joab pulls out his sword and kills him, even though David said, hey, look, be, be gentle with Absalom. Be gentle with Absalom? He run, he run David out of the palace. He ran everybody out of the kingdom. Joab was a little ticked. But anyway, <clears throat> I know David didn't want to lose his son's life, but Absalom was going to kill his dad anyway. But, anyway, but I'm just showing you that David's just like you and I are. He's not up there on a cloud. Ding, 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 ding. The Lord is my shepherd all day long. No, he wasn't. He's just like you and I. But he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord just like you and I. Quit looking for something special. Okay. Anyway, Abin, so anyway, uh, but as she was standing by the bed, oh, he said, oh, he told her, he says, hey, Tamar. Uh, bring me some food here in my bedroom and feed it to me. Oh, brother. Okay. So Tamar took it to him, but she was standing there. While she, but as she was standing there beside him, he grabbed her. That's what he wanted. Demanded, come to bed with me, my darling. Oh, Abner, she cried. Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. You know what a serious crime this is in Israel. Where could I go in my shame? You would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please speak to the king about it. He'll let you marry me. But he wouldn't listen. And since he was stronger than she was, he forced her. Then suddenly his love turned into, uh, you've seen this in high school. Okay. Midnight hates her guts. He hated her more than ever. Get her out of here, he snarled at her. No, no, she cried. To reject me is a greater crime than the other you did to me. But he wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his valet and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So he put her out. And she was wearing a long robe with sleeves and whatever. So a fancy little outfit. And boy, she tore it and she threw dirt on herself. Uh-oh. As in the custom of those days for virgin daughters of the king. Now she tore the robe, put ashes on her head, and went out away crying. Her brother Absalom, now he's ticked off. He asked her, is it true that Ammon raped you? Don't be so upset since it's in the family. It's not anything to worry about. Well, in the next chapter, in the next chapter, uh, Absalom's going to say, hey, Dad, can your sons come over to my house for a little party celebration? And Absalom has it rigged up when Ammon comes in here. Kill him. Anyway, when David heard, uh, so anyway, here we go. Uh, so Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's quarters. When David heard, King David heard what happened, he was very angry. But Absalom said nothing one way or another about Ammon. However, he hated him with a deep hatred because of what he had done. Then two years later, here it is. When Absalom's sheep were being sheared at, we'll just say Birmingham, whatever. Absalom invited his father and all his brothers to come feast to celebrate the occasion. David, King David says, no, nah, my boy, uh, if we all come, it'd be too much burden on you. you know, if we all go over to Melody's house, she ain't got enough room for everybody. Okay. 
You know what that is. Anyway, well then Absalom said, if you can't come, how about sending your brother, my brother Abnon instead? Why Abnon, the king asked. (laughs) Remember, David knew what he had done. He knew what was going on. David was a smart guy. Absalom kept on urging the matter until finally the king agreed, uh, let all his sons attend, including Abnon. Now, I want you just, just, this is real life. It's like things you go through, it's scary situations, whatever. Like, I get on the airplane, praise the Lord, take care of me. Watch what happens next. Oh, uh, watch David. Okay, Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who gives the orders around here. Take this command. Uh, do this command. Take courage. Do it. So they murdered Ammon. Oh, no. Then the other sons of the king jumped up and they're on their mules, their BMWs, okay, and they fled. As they were on their way back to Jerusalem, the report reached David. I mean, word travels fast. You know, email, text messages, all that kind of stuff. Somebody outran everybody. And word got to David. Look what word got to David. All your sons are killed. No, only one got killed. <laughs> but, you know, can you imagine David getting that bad? He's, he's like you and I. We're like, praise the Lord in Jesus' name. And, of course, only one was killed. But anyway, word reached David. Absalom killed all your sons. Not one's left alive. The king jumped up, ripped off his clothes, fell prostrate before the Lord. All right? And uh, to the ground, his grounds, his age tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. Uh, and just then, Jonadab, the son of uh, David's brother, Shemiah, arrived and said, no, 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 they've not all been killed, only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped Tamar. No, no, your sons are not dead at all. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Now the watchman of Jerusalem saw a great crowd coming before the, toward the city on the road of the hill. See, Jonadab told the king, there they are now. Your sons are coming, just as I said. Boy, I mean... Wouldn't you think that's a praise report? (laughs) I mean, yeah, hallelujah. He thought they all been killed, but praise God. Uh, As soon they arrived, they were weeping and sobbing, and the king and his officials wept with them. Absalom, he fled to King Talma of Geshur, uh, and he stayed there for three three years. Meanwhile, David now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed for the day to have fellowship with his son Absalom. And I'm going to stop here. But anyway, I mean, uh, what I want you to see here is that's just life. This is just in the time of David's life right here. This is what took place. There, it, it's, and we deal with the same difficulties and stuff like that. And it's not like, well, you know, well, I'm, the Lord doesn't know my... Yeah, he does. He knows all about your life. He knows the troubles that you face and stuff like that. Just like Jesus when oh, Peter... Uh, it was Andrew found Peter in John chapter 1. And then when he found it, then uh, it was Nathaniel. No, it was Philip. Philip went and found his brother Nathaniel. And he said, we found the Messiah. And anyway, Nathaniel said, "Well, can anything good come out of Jerusalem? Can, can anything good come out of Galilee?" Because he said it was Jesus of Nazareth. No, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And anyway, when he finally walks up to Jesus, uh, Jesus says, "Here is an Israelite in whom there's no guile." And Nathaniel says, "Well, how do you know me?" Remember what Jesus said? "I saw you under the fig tree." <laughs> he sees your life. You are not. Look at. The, we got some details here about David, like. What do we need these for? That's because it's real life. All this stuff took place. All this stuff took place. And it's this, I wish I had time to just keep going. This story, these things stay together from, from chapter 11 to chapter 21. And it's fantastic. David is run out of his kingdom, but then the Lord brings him right back. He didn't lose his kingdom. He got it all back. 
Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just thank you, Lord, that these are history. We see how you took care of your people. You took care of David. Even though bad things were taking place, you took care of him. Praise the Lord. And we just thank you, Lord, Father, that um, uh, if we're not feeling good today, you'll take care of us. Whether we're hurting our body somewhere, or we're hurting financially, you'll fix that. If we're hurting in some other area, we've got a problem we're faced with, you'll get us out of that trouble. Praise the Lord, you will. And that doesn't leave anything left but for us to tell others the great things you've done in our lives, leaving a track record of how you've taken care of us. For us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, buddy. See you. I mean, a whole everybody.